Sometimes I think it must be so demoralising to be a doctor or a dietitian or maybe even a physiotherapist. Because they study for years to learn everything they need for their work. They put thousands of hours of research into which diets or exercises or meds will help their patients. They conduct clinical trials to test the efficacy and the safety of these drugs. Then they carefully prescribe the medicine in the right dosage and share all of this information with their patients. But so often all their careful work goes to waste. Because we, the patient, keeps on eating and drinking what we like. We do the exercise maybe for the first few days, if if we're good. And we just take our medicine whenever we remember, or whenever we can be bothered. I don't know if anybody's like that here. Surely not. But I know that I am at times. I've been on this asthma meds for uh, morning and night, supposed to take it. Every day since I was about five years old. I think I'm getting better at it. But there have been many days when I've just forgotten to take it. And it's just sat on the shelf for a few days. Or I just kind of take a quick puff that doesn't really go into my lungs at all and go off with other more important so-called things. It really is a bit foolish, isn't it? To take the time to visit the doctor, maybe even pay your 50 euro or so, and maybe the rest for the meds, and then not do what they say. It's foolish. But how much more foolish it is to do that with Jesus? Over the past five months or so, we've read through and thought about this amazing Sermon on the Mount. These are most, some of the most astounding words that have been ever spoken on this planet. And this morning we've come to the last section. We've come to the end of the sermon. So after today, we can just thank Jesus for a lovely sermon, go home happy, because we've done the Sermon on the Mount. Or have we? This is what Jesus is speaking about in this little last section of this sermon. So let's read it together. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine, and does not put them into practice, is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell with a great crash. It's one of Jesus' best known and most memorable stories. It's a favourite of many kids. So it's so familiar to us this morning. I mean, if you've been awake this morning, you'll notice that that theme was carrying on through our songs that we sang this morning, and even in the kids' song this morning. 
But although it's familiar, I think it still has a powerful message for us today. This parable represents two groups of people. It presents to us these two groups. Either a wise man or a foolish man. A wise or a foolish. But what does that mean? What does it mean to be wise or what does it mean to be foolish? Well, it's got nothing to do with our intelligence or our academic ability. It isn't something that's measured by the leaving cert or other qualifications. Jesus is not asking us to get our CV out this morning to see how well we're doing, we've done. Instead, this is about life wisdom. It's about whether we are doing the right things in our lives, whether we're making the right choices, whether we're following the best path for our life. So those who are foolish, they're not stupid in the sense of not having enough brain power. They're foolish in the sense that they're doing something that will prove to be dangerous, pointless, and even self-destructive. So we can either be wise and make a good, sensible, and beneficial choice for our lives, or we can be foolish and make an irrational, a disastrous, a dangerous, a deadly choice in our lives. And as we've seen throughout this sermon, this kind of theme continues, it repeats again and again, that there are only two options. Just as there are only two gates, the wide and the small, and there are only two roads, the broad and the narrow, and there are only two trees, the good tree producing good fruit and the bad tree producing bad fruit, So there are only two builders. We can either be the wise builder or the foolish builder. There isn't a third option here. There isn't a possibility of sitting on the fence. Can have enough foot in both camps. Jesus makes things crystal clear for us in this sermon. He wants us to know which gate we've entered, which road we're on, which tree we are like, and which kind of life we are building. And that's because he loves us. He loves us so much that he doesn't want us to get this wrong. He doesn't want us to mess up our lives, to miss the opportunity that our life gives to us. So let's just think about what we can learn from these two builders. First of all, I just want to think about what's the same for them, and then we will think about what's different about them. So what's the same for both of these builders? Well, in Jesus' parable, both the wise and the foolish built his house. They had the same desire to build a good home, to provide shelter and protection place to bring up their family, to laugh and enjoy life in and to feel safe in. And they both put effort in to achieve this. In fact, when their houses were finished, possibly to the untrained eye, they would look pretty similar. 
And I think that's an illustration of how we all, in, our, in this world, have a desire to live a good life. Now we might define what that good life looks like, slightly differently. Maybe some of us would say, we want to be loved. Others, we want to be needed, or be safe, or be significant, or be respected, to have fun and laughter, or to have security and comfort. But wherever we are, I think we all want to build a good, strong, and healthy life. We want to have a good life. (coughs) But there's another thing that the wise and the foolish have in common in Jesus' teaching. Both of them are part of those who, Jesus says, who hears these words of mine. I think this is the, the deeply disturbing part of this story. The wise and the foolish could be sitting next to each other in church. They could be attending the same Bible study. They could be following the same Bible reading plan. They could read the same good Christian books. They could go to the same good Christian conferences. Our identity with one group or the other is not distinguished by where we go or who we listen to. Or how much we know. That distinctiveness lies somewhere else. I think that's a disturbing thought, isn't it? To think that some of us here this morning might be wise. And some of us might be foolish. According to Jesus. But the third thing that was the same about them. Both these groups of people are. They both face the same storms in life. Jesus described these storms as being incredibly forceful. They beat against the house. They violently attack it. They seek to destroy it. This year again we've seen the the power of flooding in Enniscorthy, haven't we? And the destruction it can cause and how we can't stop it. We really struggle to to, uh, kind of tame the forces of nature in this world, don't we? Even with all of of our technology, it's so difficult to restrict the impact that the extremes of weather can have on us. And in our lives, we are also impacted by powerful struggles and challenges and disappointments. We often feel battered and bruised and beaten and crushed by forces that are outside of our control in our lives. And these storms can come in so many different ways. Jesus said that the rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew. These buildings were attacked from all directions. Rain on the roof, the river at the foundation. The wind and the walls. And I think that's true of life as well, isn't it? There are so many different kinds of storms that we have to face. Storms of sickness. Or loneliness. Or depression. Disappointment. Betrayal. Sin. Giving into temptation. Financial problems. Family problems. Relationship issues. And death. Maybe if we just had to face one of them, 
perhaps it wouldn't be too bad. But so often two or three of them come against us at the same time. And of course there's an ultimate storm that we're going to have to face. The storm of God's judgment. Because Hebrews says man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment. One day we'll all stand before a holy and just God. So these storms are forceful and they're varied. But the main impact of what Jesus is saying here is that they are common. Both the wise and the foolish builders faced the exact same kind of storm. Jesus even uses the same words, the same phrases to describe both of them, just so that we wouldn't be able to try and dissect them and say, oh well, one experiences this kind of storm and one experiences that kind of storm. It's exactly the same. The clear implication is that no matter what we do, we can't avoid the storms that life throws at us. We all face similar trials, similar struggles, similar challenges, similar pressures. In fact, Jesus promised his disciples, in this world you will have trouble. Of course he went on and said, but take heart, I have overcome this world. And that makes all the difference in the world. But God never protects, promises to protect us from the storm. He doesn't insulate us as, as believers from tragedy. He doesn't guarantee some people blue skies and plain sailing while other people are going through hard times. He doesn't promise to bubble wrap any of us in this world. A week ago, eh, when I was at the conference in Poland, I met a guy, an Iranian man, who was working in churches in London. And he was telling me about the explosive growth of the church in Iran. Some estimates are saying there's maybe a million to to three million Christians in Iran. Many of them are coming from from a Muslim background. But he also told me about the great pressure that they were under. Most of the churches that they meet in are tiny, little house churches, maybe a group of four or five believers, not because there are no believers around, but because it's safer in that way. Meeting like this would be completely unsafe. Because leaders are being arrested, Christians are being attacked. There's that threat of persecution on them all the time. They're going through a storm. Because of their faith in Christ. So I was speaking to a guy who works, who supports the church in Turkey. He told me a similar story of, of intimidation, discrimination and attacks for the Christians there. And that is repeated in many different countries in this world. In this world, we will have trouble. It's a promise from Jesus. So there are many things that are the same between the wise and the foolish builders. They both have similar desires to build good lives. They both put in effort to see their dreams become a reality. They both face setbacks and struggles. But it's when those storms hit 
the fundamental difference between these two groups is revealed. These two houses have drastically different endings. In the face of the storm, the foolish man's house fell with a great crash. It suffered catastrophic and complete failure. One night, all of his hopes and all of his dreams came crashing to disastrous end. Sooner or later, a storm will come that will destroy what the the foolish are building in their lives. It could be a storm of difficulty or challenge here on earth. Or it could be that final storm of judgment before God. But Jesus wants us to be sure of this. A foolish person's life will end in tragic failure. When he will lose everything that he's been building in his life. In contrast with this, even in the face of the very same storms, this wise man's house did not fall. He will go through the same challenges. He will face the same difficulties. He will even face the same day of judgment. But he will remain standing. He will not be defeated. He will not be destroyed. He will overcome. He will overcome because he will see his dreams of safety and security and satisfaction realized. It isn't the storm that makes one person foolish and the other person wise. It's just that the storm reveals our true identity. Because it tests the strength of our lives. It tests the stability of what we've been building. It tests the security of what we've hoped in. And so those storms show which category we belong to. So why did these two buildings have such different endings? Well, it's obvious that it's because they had two different beginnings. The wise man's house stood strong in the storm because it had its foundation on the rock. Its strength was not in how it was built. Its strength was not in the effort of the builder. But it was in the strength of its foundation. That house didn't budge because it was built on rock. And that rock wasn't going anywhere. The foolish man, he built his house on sand. And that meant, no matter how much he tried, no matter how much effort he put in, he couldn't build something that was resilient to the storm. Because it was built on an unstable and weak foundation. So it's the foundation of the houses that matter. It's not the effort. It's not the expense. It's not anything else to do with the builder. It's just a foundation that they choose. And in the same way Jesus is saying it's the foundation of our lives that matter. And there's only one rock solid foundation. Jesus said everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man. 
when you think of it, that's really amazing. Because it challenges at its very core the relativism that is so prevalent today. Where nobody is supposed to make any absolute claim. We're all supposed to say, well, your truth is just as valid as my truth. And your way is just as good as my way. But Jesus doesn't believe that. He claimed that the only rock-solid foundation in our lives, the only way that we're going to see our dreams realized, the only way that we're going to find our hearts satisfied, the only way that we're going to overcome the challenges of this life or the judgment to come, is if we listen to his words and put them into practice in our lives. No wonder Jesus records at the end in verse 28, When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Because he taught as one who had authority. And not as the teachers of the law. Jesus spoke with the absolute authority of one who claimed to be the only foundation on which we could successfully build our lives. Every other foundation is sinking sand. Every other foundation will end up in disaster. It is the most absolute of absolute claims, isn't it? So Jesus is saying, though, that it's not enough just to hear what Jesus said. It isn't enough just to hear all the wonderful words that Jesus taught. Or even to know all about him. Because the foolish did that. They heard his words. They knew about him. But they stopped there. Instead, if we are going to be among the wise, we need to act on what Jesus said. We need to respond to him. We need to accept that he is the one who he claimed to be in this sermon. Throughout the sermon, we've seen him as the Christ. The one who came to fulfill the law. As the teacher, the one who gives the true and accurate revelation from God. He is the son of God, the one who can speak about God as his father. He is the Lord, the one who deserves full obedience. He is the judge, the one who will declare God's final judgment on human beings. But he's also the saviour. He's the one who came to seek and to save those who are lost. Lead us through that small gate. Lead us onto that narrow road. And lead us into that blessed life. So we need to accept who he is. But we also need to accept what he said about us. We need to accept our spiritual poverty. Our rebellious hearts. Our insufficient attempts to do the right thing. And we need to respond to that by choosing to build our lives on Him. Through repentance. That with sorrow in our hearts, we need to turn from doing our own thing in our lives. From seeking to our, our own goals. From living for our own satisfaction. And instead, we need to put our faith in Jesus 
as the forgiver of our sins and the leader of our lives. Put our life completely in Him. Trust in His perfect life, His sacrificial death, His glorious resurrection. The fact that that paid for all of our sins. And then just to depend on Him. To teach us and to lead us and to direct us as we go on and live for Him each day. So those who are wise are those who reject every other foundation for their lives and instead put their whole lives on Jesus who trust in Him for their life, for their happiness, for their satisfaction, for their hopes and their dreams and their eternal destiny. Listen to how Paul put it when he wrote to the church in Philippi. Back into Philippians chapter 3 again as we looked at this morning already. I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. And be found in Him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. But that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God. And is by faith. That's what it means to build our lives on Jesus. Is to reject every other foundation and build our lives on Christ and in Him alone. An amazing promise of this parable is that if we do choose to build our lives on Jesus, if we do choose to build our lives on His finished work on the cross and His perfect leadership in our lives, then He promises. He promises, He guarantees that we won't be disappointed. That we will enter more and more into the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus our Lord. And in that way, building our lives on Christ doesn't just secure our eternal destiny in heaven. It also gives us true stability and peace and security and joy every day of our lives. Not because it it prevents us from going through those difficult times in our life. They will come. But because even in the storm we know that we're on the rock. Even in the storm we know that the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation. My stronghold. That means although going through life we might feel battered and bruised from those storms of life. We might get hurt and be worn down. But no matter what comes our way. No matter what challenges we face, no matter what struggles we go through, no matter what disappointments we experience, we will still be able to stand. We won't crumble. 
We won't be defeated. We won't face disaster. We won't be condemned. Because underneath is the rock. The solid rock foundation is Christ. And so we'll be able to express the same confidence that Paul does in that wonderful chapter, Romans chapter 8, verse 37. No, in all of these things, all of the storms of life that may attack us, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What an amazing foundation for our lives. So this is the different life That Jesus wants us to live. A life that has a different ending. And a different experience. Because we have a different beginning. Because we have a different foundation. Because we have chosen to build our lives on Christ. And Him alone. So this is the choice that we have this morning. As we come to the end of this Sermon on the Mount. Will we choose this different life? Will we choose to build our lives on Christ?